Hello, and welcome to the Slate Wine Club. I'm Felix Salmon, and you may know me as the host of Slate Money, your guide to the business and finance news of the week. But I am also, as many Slate Money listeners will remember, a bit of a wine lover. I like to drink wine, I like to talk about wine, I like to think about wine, and really underneath everything, I like the storytelling of wine. I really think that wine is about stories and memory and experiences and the idea of transporting yourself to a different place. These are the things at the heart of the Slate Wine Club. It's not about tasting notes and tannins and malolactic fermentation and micro-oxygenation and that kind of thing. It's about place and people and stories and just getting to enjoy a variety of premium wines and learning about them from these expert winemakers, often who've been making wines not just themselves, but in their families for hundreds of years. And these stories really help me enjoy wine. They'll help you enjoy wine. But before we talk to today's winemaker, you probably want to know why you should join the club and how to become a member of it. So as a Slate Wine Club member, you will get expertly curated selections of premium wines made by some of the world's best winemakers. Each shipment includes three bottles of unique high-quality wines delivered right to your door. And joining is easy. Just text SLATE to 87877-SLATE. That's S-L-A-T-E to 878-777-5283. Once you receive your wines, you'll be able to sip each one while listening to an interview with Piero Mastro Bernardino, for instance, who's coming up right now. He might prefer you listen to Jim Morrison and The Doors. Well, that'll be coming up in the interview. Piero is a 10th generation winemaker, believe it or not. This is the kind of thing you find when you go to Italy. 300 years ago, his ancestor Angelo Bernardino was knighted by the king, became Mastro Bernardino, and the Mastro Bernardinos have been making wine ever since. So, Piero, tell me who you are and what you do. I'm uh, the representative of the 10th generation of Mastro Berardino family in the wine business, and I'm in charge currently of the winery and vineyards management in this family business. So, 10th generation, this is something which uh, Americans can barely even conceive of. You can trace not only your own lineage, but actually the vineyards back to how far we have a family museum here in the cellars where we have documents uh, dating back the beginning of 1700s testifying the purchase of lands uh, around here in a small village named santo stefano where we have still now a property and where we had the plants of fiano grape planted there at the time so a continuity of grape varietals and uh, territory and uh, family ownership it's, uh, it's a long story. So first of all, let's talk about the region. You're outside Naples? We are in the region of Naples, but this is a quite unusual geographic situation because Naples is very well known for the coast, for the sea, of course, but uh, we are in the middle of the mountains. And this isn't just the mountains, is it? This is Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> yes, Mount Vesuvius is quite famous. And it's a kind of divinity in the region and influences uh, the whole region. Even in uh, the mountainside, we have ashes uh, in the soil stratificated almost everywhere. So the influence of the 
volcano is almost in every part of the region. If I drink this wine, which I'm now going to start opening, I'm going to somehow be tasting the ashes of Mount Vesuvius. You're going to taste the two main characteristics that uh, give uh, the personality of, I would say, all the wines that we produce. The first is this uh, vertical style going direct to the mineral compounds of the soil. And this is the influence that uh, probably Vesuvius uh, gives at its best. And the other is freshness. Uh, that means a good level of acidity that uh, brings this wine almost very vibrant and also gives uh, a huge longevity that is outstanding in the region. And uh, Radici Taurasi is a flagship wine for us. It's a great symbol for the family. It's a project uh, that my father started in 1981, right after the big earthquake that we had in the region. We had in November 1980, a big earthquake that made 3,000 people killed in the area of Avellino. So my father gave the name Radici, meaning roots, to this project, saying that the family had uh, so deep roots in the soils of Irpinia that earthquake wouldn't have been uh, capable to change the linkage between the family and the territory. I need to ask you about that cuckoo clock of yours. How old is that? It was a present from uh, my wife maybe 25 years ago, but it's not very well uh, organized. So sometimes it, it does it for a short period and it's, it doesn't work very well. <laughs> Taurasi, this is an area? Taurasi is uh, the appellation, so it's a geographic name, so it's an area. And uh, you can produce uh, Taurasi DOCG only in this area. These are wines that need to be a little explained to the consumer because, of course, uh, it's not very easy to understand all the complexity of uh, the presentation of a, a wine. The Italian model can be sometimes even more complicated than the rest of Europe because we have so many information. Taurasi is the appellation and then Radici is the name of uh, the property. But then, of course, Mastro Berardino is the family name. And then you find the denominazione di origine controllata in garantita. And sometimes people don't understand the difference between this uh, classification and uh, an IGT or between uh, the DOCG and the DOC. <laughs> so, so it's a challenge and we need to be there. That's why my business is always like this, meeting people and explaining the wines and tasting with them. This is exactly what my grandfather used to do in North America at the beginning of 1900s. Oh, wow. And he presented the wines, promoted the wines and uh, made tastings with the people Exactly what we do now. I have these dreams of finding some ancient steakhouse in Chicago. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, we have like a 1942 Taurasi from Metro Bernardino lying in the cellar. <laughs> it happens sometimes to travel, to visit a restaurant. And uh, you find the owner and he comes out with a bottle that has been signed by your father 40 years before. And then he says, please sign. So this is That's nice. This Lovely. Nice. I'm sad I'm opening up this 2016 now because I feel like I should be cellaring it for the next 20 years. I got here on my desk a bottle of 68 wow. Reserva, but I also have a bottle from 34. That's very impressive. But I also have a bottle from 28, if you wish. I wish. These are really wines that are extraordinary because they are still very fresh. Even after 90 years they are still expressing and evolving and uh, they are still linked to the terroir. This already smells 
something spectacular, I have to say. You and your family have been farming these fields, these vineyards for 300 years. Have you changed anything? Or is it your job to just keep on doing what your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather did? In this business, you innovate every year. Because, uh, of course, nature is different every year. So, of course, there are big changes and small changes. Year per year, you can have small uh, improvements. But then at some point, you got uh, big uh, you know, turning points. There are so many different uh, determinants that it's always a very complex uh, problem-solving issue. But it's uh, very fascinating for us. This is what you're teaching your daughters, yes? They're going to take over from you and do the same thing? Their sensibility will be the base for their creativity. I'm very interested in understanding what is going to happen because uh, I did the same with my father and I made several experiments uh, introducing uh, maybe new styles, new wines, and uh, some of them were not very good and uh, some of them are still uh, now very successful, but it's a kind of uh, training. This looks amazing. There are incredible legs on this. Oh my God, that's so delicious. You're right. It's just, it's got so much acidity and it's very light on its feet for being quite a big red. Yeah, this is something that is very peculiar of the environment. Wines coming from the mountain have uh, this characteristic. Even if uh, they come from a, a big, very important red grape, at the end, uh, you have a very elegant and refined style. You've got uh, balance, uh, you've got a great equilibrium, and uh, you never have the feeling of heaviness on the palate. A wine like this uh, is always very agile in the glass and at the nose and on the palate. You always have this uh, feeling of agility. Obviously, you're on Mount Vesuvius, you're close to Pompeii, where there was a lot of drinking going on. You got to thinking, yes. like, what were they drinking? It turns out what they were drinking was not very good. <laughs> The viticulture was very high level of technical knowledge, but the winemaking processes uh, were not refined. We have a lot of literature of, about the wines of the past that, as you said, probably wouldn't be very nice to taste now. Wines were heavier and they used to dilute them with water before serving them. That is something very bad if we say it now. And there were also some habits uh, during the process. Uh, when you have a mouse, uh, you don't have to pull it out. Uh, it has to be there with the wine. This was in the past but for the Romans. I'm getting like flavors of mouse. I mean, there there are a lot wine. of stories. Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe some people appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so things have changed, but we have this uh, beautiful project uh, that started 25 years ago in Pompeii, in the archaeological town, where we reproduced all the ancient training systems uh, of the vines. So we produce a wine from there that is called Villa dei Misteri, and it's a blend of three ancient grapes of the region. One is Aglianico, the same that we use for Taurasi. The second is uh, Piedi Rosso, and the third is called Shashinoso. So how many dogs do you have? Uh, a lot. I got uh, <laughs> two dogs here in my house at the wine cellar. And then I got four dogs in the countryside. And then I also have two cats in my apartment. And white burgundy, is it the greatest wine in the world? I like the style and there are many similarities with our white wines. We have a partnership with a group of researchers from there, from Bourgogne, and we exchange wines and we exchange experiences. And we have the same approach to the aging white wines. So this is a style of wine that I love. 
And finally, what is the best thing to listen to when I'm drinking your wines? What should I be listening to? I don't know if you listen to podcasts very often, but if you, if not, what, what do you listen to? It really depends. But I would say for my personal uh, taste, uh, I would uh, listen to something from The Doors. Wow, I was not <laughs> expecting that. <laughs> I was a radio DJ when I was a teenager, and it was a rock show. Amazing. So, <laughs> so okay, I'm going to crack out some Jim Morrison to go with my Tarasi. Thank you again to Piero Mastro Bernardino for joining us today and for telling us all about his amazing 2016 Tarasi. If you're not a member of the Slate Wine Club already, joining is easy. Text SLATE to 878-777-5283 to set up your first shipment, and you'll be well on your way to enjoying premium wines, not to mention developing a better appreciation for the expert winemakers who fill our glasses. <laughs> 